Okay, so hello everyone. It's uh, once again lekker to be able to learn some Torah together. Um, so so important, I think, at this time to learn. I wanted to tell you just a word before we actually have the shear. I want to tell you a word, and um, what I wanted to tell you is the following: the um, the we all know there's this concept of the um, the Are Miklat, you know, these cities of refuge. So what happens in the city of refuge? is that um, there are three on the one side of the Jordan and three on the other side of the Jordan. And the three on the, on the, on the outside of Eretz Israel side of the Jordan were set up by B'nai Israel before they went into the actual, um, into actual Eretz Israel. They set up, but they're not activated. Um, and it's only when, um, after the Kibush it's only after the, the, the conquering of the land that the three that are on the side of, of Eretz Israel are set up and then all six are set up, and then they get activated. And the Meshach HaChochma tries to understand why is that? Why should it be that you can't activate the ones on the one side of the Jordan since the people are living there anyway? So if you need, you know, the way it works is that if a person um, kills somebody inadvertently, then they, um, they, are, they can run to this Irmikla, to the city of refuge, and, um, and the Goel Adam, the person, like the, the family member who's trying to revenge their death, so he can't touch them until one, until one event happens. And what's that one event? And that event is the death of the Kohen Agadol. When the Kohen Agadol dies, then the guy who ran to the city of, the, of refuge, or the person, that person is then let, is, is allowed to go free. So there's a vested interest of the person who's in the city of refuge to, um, to daven that the Kohen Agadol dies. So much so that the Gomorrah says, the Gomorrah Makla says that the, the mother of the coin, of the coin Godel would bring the people from the city, in the city of refuge, like, uh, you know, like sweets and chocolates and cakes and, you know, I don't know, depending how good she's a baker and a cook, whatever, things to encourage the people not to daven for her son to die because obviously she doesn't want that to happen, but they want him to die. So the, the whole thing is about the coin Godel dying. So the, the Meshach Chochmah says that the reason why the ones on the one side of the city of refuge, uh, sorry, of the, of the Jordan, are not activated until the whole Kibosh is because the Torah says that Elazar HaGadol, Elazar HaKohen, that's the son of Aaron who became the new coin Gadol, him and Yoshua will conquer the land. So it will only be once the land has been conquered by the two of them that, that he can die, because he can't die until there's a conquest. So says the Meshach Chochmah, what that would do is that would leave somebody who's in the city of refuge, it would leave them without any hope because they would never know. That, well, one thing they would know for sure is that the, the Kohen Gadol can't die today because the, city, the, the, the country has not yet been conquered. And so they would have no hope. And he says, the Meshach Chochmah, a beautiful idea, HaKadosh Baruch Hu never puts us in a situation where there is no hope. There's always hope. We can't, we, it, because that's the way our Kaddish Baruch Hu works. And if that's the way our Kaddish Baruch Hu works, that we're always in a situation of hope, it means that uh, the, the, the guy can't go into the city of refuge because he wouldn't have any hope. And I think that that, for me, when we always we read you know, on all these different articles, that they think they found a cure, there's this one starting to work, this is happening, things are getting better. There's always a sense of hope, even in this very difficult time. And uh, yeah, I think that's part of the Rebbe Shalom's gift to us. Even when things are difficult, that we always have this little smattering of hope that we can hang on, hang on to. I thought it was a beautiful idea. So let's, um, let's go. Vaita Parsha Dra'ei. It's a stunning Parsha. There's so much in it. And I wanted to share one thing specifically with you. 
Um, because as I was learning it, you know, when, when you learn, you like get so much, you get, you get a lot of information. But um, as I was learning it, I just started realizing that in the small little um, paragraph that I want to look at with you, there's just so much that I think we can take out. And, um, and let's go through it. Let's learn it together and see where we go. So I'm, I'm in Dvarim chapter 12, verse number 20. So the Torah says the following. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu will expand your borders, as He spoke to you, and you'll say, I want to eat meat. Because you have a desire in your nefesh to eat basar, to eat meat. According to the, the desire of your, your nefesh, you can eat meat. So, in a, in a nutshell, what that little pasuk is saying, that if you want to eat meat, you can. However, there are a few little aspects of that that I want to really look at. Because first it says, Ki archiv When HaKadosh Baruch Hu expands your borders. Rashi points out something so important. He says, Lim the Torah derech eretz. The Torah is teaching us derech eretz. Now derech eretz, in, in, when, when the Mepharshim speak about derech eretz, it might not always be our Derech Eretz, what we mean by Derech Eretz. When we speak about Derech Eretz, what we generally speak about is like being a mech. He's got Derech Eretz, right? But Derech Eretz is also referred to as, um, as, as uh, marital relations in some places. It's also referred to as just the way things work in the world. Not that it's mechistic or not mechistic, but sometimes just that the way the world is. So here says the Torah, Limda Torah Derech Eretz is coming to teach us the way things work. And that a person doesn't uh, want, uh, want to eat meat unless he's got unless he's from a, from a position of, of, of wealth and everything else that they want. In other words, meat seems to be, according to the way Rashi is interpreting, the way I'm interpreting Rashi, is that meat is like the highest level of the food chain. It's the thing that you want the most. And, um, and it only comes out when everything else you've had a certain level of satiation from. And, um, you know, coming through the nine days, it's, a, such, it's such an interesting thing. People get so, like, freaked out. It's the nine days. You can't eat meat for nine days. Khalil Vachas, you shouldn't eat meat for nine days, you know. And you've got Shabbos, and you can have meat three meals, ten meals, however much you want. You know, you can make a seal. But... It's not the end of, but there is something about understanding that there isn't like meat is like an aspirational eat, for want of a better word, and um, and when we understand that we can we can we we perhaps can reframe the way we do things and the way we the way we understand our eating of meat comes along the Orachai Makadosh and he says what is Hashem telling you why why would you think that you can't eat meat. Like, where does it come from that you think that you couldn't eat meat? And he tells us because, if you'll remember, that um, there was a story in the, in the Midbar. There's a story in the desert where Am Yisrael come and they say, we want meat. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu sends them um, the, the, the slav and there's kivrot and there's the, 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 these people are dying because they're eating too much. And it's, it's a very, very big thing. And therefore, says the Orachim, that you might think of that that now, or made ta'avat ha'basar be'isur. 
that even though they're going to Eretz Israel, they're going now into a normal way of living life, that the desire to eat meat might be completely asum. And so there comes along the, um, the Torah and says, when you're going to go into Eretz Israel, you understand that uh, it, is, it will be allowed for one to eat meat um, in the same way as you have tithers for other things to eat. Okay, so that is that... Uh, um, the, the, the Natsif points out something very interesting. The Natsif points out also along the lines of Yachiv uh, where you expand your borders. He speaks about Ba'ashir. It's also... It's, 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 not, it's the expectation of wealthy people that we would be eating meat. And then he says the following... Where the pasuk says you're going to say I want to eat meat, says so, you know in the same way, um, you know wealthy people. These are his words. These are not my words, and I'm not trying to musar anything. I'm just saying what he says. He says you know the, the, it's the way of wealthy people to eat meat, even if they don't really want the meat. It just becomes part of our diet, just to eat meat. Remember, meat is the highest level of the of the food chain. And uh, because we become so spoiled, we, meat becomes just another option in the same as fish or vegetables, whatever the case is. He says, you know what? It becomes a point that even if you don't have the money, it's okay that you can desire meat. Even if you don't have wealth. And it gets, so therefore he's saying that we, 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 start, we start wanting to, to eat the meat. How are you supposed to do it? He says, that um, if you, uh, according to the, how much you desire, you can eat the meat. So, the um, Rashi says, what does it mean? He says, in the midbar, in the midbar, you weren't allowed to eat any meat that was not brought up as part of a korban. Right? Um, and how would you bring a korban? So there are different types of korbanot. There are, di- there are korbanot that are brought as communal sacrifices, but not, the people didn't eat those. The, 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 the korban that the people ate were when you brought your own voluntary korbanot um, um, uh, because you wanted to say thank you to Hashem for something like that, then you would be able to eat those, those things. Whereas now, what the Torah is giving us is it's giving us permission to eat however we want. Ah, so if that's the case, says the, says the Torah, the most fascinating thing, in the next passage, um, uh, 21, and the place is far from you, where Hashem has chosen to put His name. In other words, when it's far, on a simple level, we can read it, when it's far for us to be able to get to Yerushalayim, and you've brought up as a korban the, the, that which Hashem has given you, as He commanded, you'll eat in your gates, everything you desire. Comes along Rashi and says the following, that um, it's going to be a point when we reach the land of Israel, where we start settling the land, where everything is going to get to what normal life should be, that not everybody's living around Yerushalayim. So if you're not living around Yerushalayim, you're certainly not living uh, close to the Mishkan. Um, in those days, remember, the Mishkan started in Shiloh and then went to Yerushalayim. But you're not living around there. So if that's the case, you can't always bring um, 
um, different your, your korbanot and you can't always have your meat. So therefore, you'll be allowed to eat. Um, you'll be allowed to eat your meat at home. But how are you supposed to eat the meat at home? And this is where, in this little Rashi that we're going to learn right now, there is a fundamentally important concept that we need to learn. Rashi says, in the same way as you, as you, uh, um, well, sorry, the Torah says, in the same way as you brought certain korbanot, so you can eat the meat. Rashi says, Lamadnu. It comes to teach us. What does this mean? That there is certain commandments when it comes to bringing korbanot, how are we supposed to do the shechita? How, how are you supposed to shech the animal? And those are the laws of shechita that were told to Moshe at Har Sinai. And uh, when I read this, I thought to myself, this is unbelievable. We have this concept in Torah called halacha l'moshe misinai. So if, if you would look, take, if you would take a chumash now and you'd read through it, not one of you would be able to find the laws of Shkita. can promise you now. We know that the reason we have milchiks on, uh, well, one of the reasons, we have milchiks on, uh, on Shavuot, well, one of the things we were taught when we were young at, at kids at school, is because they didn't know the halachas of Shkita. They didn't know how to, uh, how to shecht animals. They didn't know the halachas of Kashrut. And so um, on the night of Shavuot, when they've now just been given the law, so we don't eat the, we can't eat the meat because you'd have to do the Shkita and all the preparation and the salting, etc., etc., etc. And so therefore we don't eat meat. But where on earth in the Torah does it tell us that? It doesn't. It doesn't teach us the specific halachas of Shkita. What there is is this concept called halacha la Moshe Misinai, a halacha that Moshe received at Har Sinai. Those, those halachas are, are found in a number of different places in, in, uh, in, uh, in our halachic observance. So, for example, where do we find it? We find it in, I was trying to think of, a, of an example for, um, uh, that would specifically apply to women, but I, I couldn't really find one. Um, but I'll give you an example. Just uh, the, the easiest one is, um, is tefillin. So if you look in the Torah, the Torah will tell us about tefillin. What does it say? It says you've got to write them on your, uh, um, you've got to bind them on your arms and you've got to put them as totzafot beinenecha and these signs um, in front of, uh, between your eyes. But that's all it says. But you all know, um, because you've got uh, husbands or, and sons or grandchildren or whatever, that, and tefillin are a big thing. All tefillin look the same. They're all black boxes, right, with black straps, and, um, and uh, the boxes are divided in different ways, and they all look the same. Why do we know that? How do we know that? Because nowhere is it written in the Torah, because there's this concept of halacha la Moshe Misinai. These are the halachas that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave Moshe. He didn't write them down in the Torah, and they passed down from generation to generation until they got to the, to, the, to the time of the Tanoim, and the Tanoim and the Amoraim then wrote it down in the Mishnah and the Gomorrah. It's the first time it was written down. Everything else was just simple Masorah. So every morning, when, we, when, when I put on my tefillin, um, if I'm thinking about it, not in too much of a rush, then I think to myself, it's unbelievable. What's unbelievable is that I am able to connect back in my morning ritual to be able to connect back all the way to when Moshe Rabbeinu was standing at Har Sinai. And so too, when it comes to us eating of meat, the, the laws of Shechita, which were, were, were initially the laws that applied to the Korbanot, were passed down to Moshe Rabbeinu at Har Sinai. So tonight, when you're going to eat your steak or your chicken, um, 
or whatever, you know, if anyone's got good recipes, pass them on, right? Whatever you're going to eat, right? That, you have to understand, is based, it's not just that it's kosher, but it's based on a Masorah, it's based on a tradition that's been passed down for 3,600 years. It's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. That, 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 that's, and, it, and it's not a written-down tradition, it was only written down 2,000 years ago. But until that point in time, just passed down by word of mouth. And, uh, and that's something so important for us to understand um, in this, in this, uh, in, from this parasha. Okay, so there comes along the, um, um, comes along the Torah, and the Torah says the following. Um, ah, so now you know that we're allowed to eat, we're allowed to eat meat. Now we know that meat has to be shechted in a, in a, in a proper way. However, comes the Torah, says, ah, the word ach, whenever, it's like similar to Afrikaans. Whenever you say ach, it's coming to exclude something. So the Torah is going to, going to say something, and in saying something, it's also going to exclude something. Ach, kasher yeachal etatzvies hayal, kein tochalenu, hatamei v'atahor yachdav yochalenu. In the same way, ach, in the same way as you would eat a tzvi and an ayal. Uh, um, these, are wild, these are wild antelope. A tzvi is like a kudu. Right, a uh, 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 gazelle. The same way you would, you would eat these things, so you can eat hatamei v'hatahor. Whether you are tamei or tahor, because remember, you can't eat korbanot if you tamei. You can only eat korbanot if you tahor. But now that you want to eat meat, you can eat them whether you tamei or tahor, whether you're pure or impure. It makes absolutely no difference. However, comes the the Rashi and tells us what does this thing ach stand for? Ach comes to teach us that um, there are certain fats that. Um, that we're not allowed to eat in domesticated animals, and there's certain fats that we are allowed to eat in, um, in wild animals, in uh, you know, antelope that we would catch. Um, but comes, comes along the Torah to teach us, the Ach comes to say that even though we can eat like we would eat the, uh, the wild animals, which we can't bring up at Korbanot, we, we can eat them being Tame or Tahar, but the, nonetheless, the Ach comes to restrict our eating. And I think that that, for me, was such an important part of, the, um, of this, is that Hashem is allowing us to eat meat. Hashem is allowing us not to have to bring it up in a Korban. Hashem is allowing us to, uh, to eat it, whether we Tame or Tahar. We have certain restrictions in the way we, we have to shech the animal, but there are also restrictions. There's always, a, 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 uh, there are always parameters to the way that we are able to express that which we desire. And um, whilst those parameters sometimes are broad and sometimes are narrow, the purpose of them is to keep us on a certain, on a certain path which we we're going to get into there. And so it comes along the, the Torah and says, okay, so we know that you, cert- you have a certain level of, rest- of restrictions is that rak um, chazak? You need to be very, very strong. Why do you need to be very strong? I'm now in verse twenty-three. Levilti achol hadam. You must be strong not to eat the blood. Ki adamu anefesh, because the blood is the life force. Velo tochal anefesh imabasar, and you shouldn't eat the life force together with the flesh. So the question is. That this is the only place of all the mitzvahs that we have where there's a specific reference to that we have to be strong. Rak chazak. Why does the Torah tell us rak chazak? Why is the Torah specifically mentioning to us that there's a need to be chazak in our eating of meat? 
And the Chazak is around this concept of not eating blood. So Rashi, you know, sometimes, sometimes Rashi gives just pshat. He'll just give us a basic understanding so we can carry on and move on with the psukim. But then sometimes what Rashi does, he'll quote a midrash, and the midrash is there to give us a pshat understanding, but in the midrash, we, there is so much happening there, and that's what we're going to see. Look what happens here. Rashi says, Excuse me, Mimashin Emar Chazak Atala Badam The fact that it says Chazak, we learn that the people were Shatufim Badam La'ochlo. They so desired to eat the blood. There was this unbelievable pool, according to what Rashi says at this point, that to eat the blood of the meat. Now, I don't know, I've never eaten. Um, I've never eaten trife meat, Baruch Hashem. That's, uh, that's, I have a few claims, but that's my one. Um, I've never eaten trade meat and I've only missed one day of putting a filling on my life. But uh, I don't understand what the pull is for, for, the, for a much more, ju- or oh, think about it, for a juicy piece of steak with nice, like, you know, mm, yummy. I kind of can't get it. But that's, that's what Rashi says, is the people had such a desire, shetufim badam, that such a desire to eat the blood, therefore, Therefore, Rabbi Yehuda says the Torah is saying Chazak because when you have such a desire to do something that HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't want you to do, you need to find the strength somewhere. And here, the strength is not coming from within only, but the strength is coming from a, a, an understanding, at least the way Rabbi Yehuda is saying, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I understand you. I empathize with your desire to eat blood. But Chazak, I'm with you on this journey. Be strong not to do it. So that is quite an unbelievable thing. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu presents himself in an almost like a human fashion here. Chazak, I'm with you. Be strong. We'll do this together. That's according to Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Shimon ben Azar. Rabbi Shimon ben Azar says, Omer, Lo ba katuv el hazircha. The Torah comes to warn you, and to teach you. It's coming to teach us and towards us how strong we have to be in mitzvot. Now listen carefully to what he says, because this is going to be a completely different take. If we come and the Torah says, Chazak, referring to dam, referring to blood, Shehu Dam, which is so easy, he says, to God from eating. I mean, who wants to eat blood? Nobody wants to eat blood. None of us are, what do you call them, vampires? No, no, blood is not the thing we get our sustenance from. So, if that's the case, the Torah has to use the word chazak in warning us not to eat blood, something which we have no desire to eat. Says Rabbi Shimon ben Azai, Kal v'chomer, how much more so? Lisha'ar mitzvot, to all the other mitzvahs. So now, Rabbi Shimon ben Azai has opened up our eyes to something completely new. Rabbi Shimon ben Azai says, you know, no one wants to eat blood. But nonetheless, the Torah says, don't, uh, chazak, be strong not to eat blood. Why? Because the Torah understands that the minute we put up a certain level of um, parameters and restrictions, the natural course of the human being, because we've got this thing called the Yetzirah, is that you're going to want that. It's the most unbelievable thing. If you think about it, um, 
we do that all the time. The minute we have a restriction, we want to go there. When, you know, there's a, uh, the minute we have to wear a mask, right, we don't want it. It's like, you know, like all of these things that we do in our world that, um, that, that are there, we often push the boundaries, that's where the term comes from, because we want to be, we don't want to be restricted. And the Torah recognizes that, and the Torah says, even though you're never going to want to eat the blood, nonetheless, chazak, be strong. But that then is kalvachom, and how much more so to all other mitzvot. Why? And it doesn't, it's a, the interest, the wording is l'sha'ar mitzvot, to, all, to, to other mitzvot. All other mitzvot that we have, by definition, are going to tap into ayatzer tov and ayatzer By definition. Why? Because they are demands on us that we might not want to do on our own. Um, the Gomorrah tells us uh, regarding kibbut avaim as an example. So kibbut avaim, the only people who have the mitzvah of kibbut avaim are us, right? It's not one of the sheva mitzvahs b'nei noach. Yes, it's part of the Ten Commandments, but the thing the, the Aseret Dibros are ours. They don't, they don't, weren't given to anybody else. Baruch Hashem, a lot of the world has taken those and, uh, and uh, used them as part of the, the, the foundation of their own morality. But it's our mitzvah. It's our mitzvah to have kibbut avayim. The Gemara tells how, um, how there were incredible people, non-Jewish people, who showed incredible kibbut avayim. And I was thinking to myself, like, why would they have to tell me that? Why? I mean, it's my, my parents, you know, you've got to show cover. It's like, it's like, isn't there a certain level of, of naturalness to that? But the truth is that it might be natural, but it's also a mitzvah. And because it's a mitzvah, therefore it's challenging. And we find those things challenging in so many different aspects and in so many different environments. Um, uh, the, 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 the things that we eat, the things that we do, the things that we touch, the th- all, everything. The mitzvahs have challenges to us and therefore we have to be strong. And if we have to be strong in the things, and that's what Rashi is telling us, in the things that, are, um, that we don't desire, how much more so we need to be strong in the things that we completely do desire. Okay? Um, and then Rashi says also, it says, that you should not each eat the, uh, the life force together with the flesh itself. Rashi says, from here we learn, Azhara la ever minachai. From here we learn the warning not to eat a limb of a live animal. Now, what is that? Um, what, what is that? Just sorry, one second, guys. And you will you go, will you take So, what is that? So, it, what's interesting is that. Are, we know we've got Sheva Mitzvahs B'nai Noach. There's seven Mitzvahs that the, that the sons of Noach have that all the entire world is supposed to keep and we have an obligation to instill it within them. What are those Sheva Mitzvahs? Number one, belief in God. You're not allowed to kill. You're not allowed to um, uh, have, have adulterous relationships. We've got to set up a, uh, a, a system of law and order. Um, not to kill, not to murder. Uh, oh gosh, now I can't remember all of them. But one of them is <laughs> sorry. One of them is you're not allowed to eat an aver minachai. You're not allowed to eat a limb of a live animal. That mitzvah is given right at the beginning of Bereshit. Now the Torah, the 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 the, the Gemara in Chulin quotes this pasuk to teach this as an ashara, as a warning against aver minachai. And from here we see very clearly that whilst there are the sheva mitzvahs b'nei noach. And we have to be, obviously tap into those. The other, the, all the other mitzvahs are given as specific mitzvahs in and of their own right. 
at Har Sinai through Moshe, whatever the case is, and here we see it uh, expressing itself in the most beautiful it could be. Nowhere else have we seen this Ashara, this warning against Aver Minachai, eating a limb of a live animal. I'm not going to go more into that, you all understand it. So says, says the Natsiv, um, he wants to understand why, why, on a similar level, why all of a sudden is Akkadosh Baruch Hu telling people to be chazak, to be strong in their um, relationship with the blood of the animal? He says the following, The Karav Beit HaMikdash When they were bringing the Korbanot in the Beit HaMikdash, Lo Nitztarech Litchazek Nobody needed to be strengthened. Nobody needed to get this sense of strength. And this is fundamentally beautiful. Sharei, why? Because the blood that was in the hands of the Kwanim, remember they shechted the animal, I know it's a bit gory, I'm sorry about that, but uh, they shechted the animal and they would take the blood into a little crucible of something, then they'd sprinkle it all over wherever they needed to sprinkle it in different ways. Okay? But when it comes to non-Korbanot, when there is no Kohen who's taking the blood in his hands, the Torah has to tell us to be chazak. And I'm trying to understand, like, why? Why just because there's no, um, there's no, there's, there's no coin? Does the Torah have to tell us to be chazak? What's the Nitziv telling us? The Nitziv's telling us something, like, crazy. What are you going to do with the blood? You're going to just throw it on the ground. The blood that was used as part of the, of the korban, and an essential part of the korban, each korban has got its own different parts, there's the shchita, there's the, there's the, the, which is the, the shechting, there's the kabbalah, there's the acceptance of the blood, there's the zrika, there's the splashing of the blood. The blood is like a very, very fundamental part of the korban itself. Now all of a sudden, B'nai Israel are told that the blood is a no-no. So what are you supposed to do with this thing that had such incredible significance, such holiness, such uh, ability to connect to our Kodesh Baruch Hu? What are you supposed to do with it? Waste it. Surely I should be able to eat it and imbibe within myself that Kedusha that was going to be used for the throwing on the, on, the, on, the, on the Mizbeach. And the Torah says, no, you have to waste it. It goes so against everything that we are that we can waste anything. Right? We understand there's a concept of, uh, of Baltashkit. Baltashkit means you don't, you don't uh, um, unnecessarily waste. That's part of why and one day we'll get to this. Why we have to have a very, very deep consciousness of our environment and we have to be careful on how what we do with our water it was amazing when we came from cape town having just been through the the terrible terrible um drought that we went through we had such a deep water consciousness um you know we we, we flushed the water with flushed the toilets with the uh, bath water you know and uh showered for two minutes and then we arrived here and there was you know it's, it's it's summer, it's raining all the time, and the rain is pouring, and people are like washing their, uh, um, their driveways with their water. It's like crazy, like, it would, like freaked us out of it. But it's, 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 it's questionable as to whether we have, as, as from people, have sufficient enough consciousness around the concept of Baal Tashrit. You know, the, we, we, uh, I think part of COVID, I mean, for me, um, I'm sorry I'm going on a bit about this, but part of COVID for me has taught me the, the importance of, of trying to avoid the excess. You know, we have Baruch Hashem, we have, we, uh, this, our community is the most incredibly chesedic, inviting community, and we've experienced that firsthand in such a powerful way. And at the same time, 
we sometimes engage a little bit of, a little bit of excess. Excess is baltashkis, right? And yeah, all of a sudden, the Torah is saying to us, this blood, just, you can't have it. Why can't you have it? Because kiadama nefesh. Because the blood is the, um, is the nefesh, is the very essence of the, um, of the person. Oh, of, sorry, of the animal. Um, and, uh, and so you can't do it. So what are you supposed to do with it? Lo tochlenu, says the Pasuk in Chav Dalet. Lo tochlenu, you shouldn't eat it. Ala arich tishpechenu kamayim. You just pour it on the ground as you would water. Water, which is we just spoken about, right? Water, which is the thing you pour on the ground when you when the water's dirty, you pour it on the ground, you get rid of it, you pour it in the flowers. It's not sorry. All of a sudden, this dam, this dam, this blood that was so important, now has no more importance than the blood. Says uh, sorry, than, than the water. Lo tochalenu says the Torah. Laman, why not? Laman yitav lecha in order that it will be good for you and for your children after you. Why? Because you've done the right thing, the, the, that which is straight in the eyes of Hashem. Says, the, um, um, says Rashi on that. Go out and learn. What is the Torah coming to teach us? The Torah is coming to teach us the reward for mitzvahs. Blood, which now he takes that second opinion of, um, of Shmuel ben Azar. He takes a second, he says that blood which a person doesn't really want. A person who avoids blood gets incredible reward. What does it mean? In order that it will be good for you. Now the word is the same, um, is the same wording that is used if you remember in the, um, there's a, a mitzvah of Shiluach HaKan. We're coming up to it now in, in Kaushi Kitaita. The Shiluach HaKan, you send away the mother bird. You send away the mother bird. Um, it's, not, it's not clear exactly what the reasoning behind it is, but there are aspects of Rachamim. There are aspects of, uh, of mercy, of compassion that we do, we, we are displaying. The aspects of listening to the word of Hashem, the aspects of all these things. And our Kodesh Baruch Hu says there, Laman Yitavlach, it should be good for you. What does Laman Yitavlach mean? We've spoken about the word Tov. The word Tov is godliness. The word Tov is, is holiness. The word Tov really implies an ability to connect on a profound level. So if we don't eat the blood, we're connecting on this profound level, right? Even if it's not difficult for us. Kalvachomer, how much more so? Listen carefully. Legezel, va'arayot. How much more so for theft and for uh, um, sexual immorality? That that a person desires those things very deeply in their soul. So for that which we don't desire so much, we get incredible reward of Lamani Tavlach. How much more so? The things that we do desire, we're going to get such incredible reward. And what a thing to say. All I'm doing is I'm taking blood and I'm throwing it on the ground. And for that, I can get incredible reward. Um, and I think that actually, in a way, takes us back to last week's parasha, Parashat Akev. Because in Parashat Akev, it spoke, it spoke about the mitzvahs that we think that are small. You know, don't, um, don't trample on certain mitzvahs. What are the mitzvahs that we trample on? We trample on so much, but to our chas v'shalom, we should, we should eat treif. But sometimes we don't realize that um, what, the mitzvahs that we trample on are the things that we, that we don't have a desire for. The things that don't challenge us are, are, not, are not things that we have such value to. You know, I mean, I, uh, and I, 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 never, I would never ever have a desire to be, um, I don't know, 
Mechalal Shabbos at this point in my life. I've never felt that desire to be Mechalal Shabbos. I've never had a desire to go and, um, I don't know, do certain things that I shouldn't do. That's just like not where, where I'm at. So what am I getting reward for that? So he says, yes, you are. You are. Yeah, because that's what, that's what is right in the eyes of the Rebbeinu Shalom. That's what our Kodesh Baruch Hu wants us to do. Kodesh Baruch Hu wants us to realize that even the things that we don't have a desire for, right? We can, by not engaging in them in some conscious fashion, and that's important, then we are still able to get a, a deep connection and reward for that. Comes along the, the Nativ, and the Nativ says, you know... Um, that uh, why, why, why should we? Why should we not eat it? It says another reason. says, you know why? Why it's so important? Because there are those who use blood as a means of worship. The eating of blood as a means of worship. Um, it's not the key reason. But it is an important thing for us to understand that, um, that if we use not the eating of blood, but the restriction, but the, the, the removal of ourselves from those things, that is where we will find the ability to connect so profoundly with the Rebbeinu Shalola. And uh, the reason why I thought this was such a, an important thing for us to understand is that it's, it's something we know about. It's something that we speak about all the time. We know Kashrut, but all of a sudden, our Kashrut gives us now a different way of connecting. Our Kashrut gives us now a way of connecting to understand, number one, that, um, that it's a halokha la Every time we eat something, every time we eat a piece of steak, we can, we can think back to this idea that we are connecting to 3,600 years of heritage that Moshe Rabbeinu um, uh, gave it gave to us at Har Sinai. That's the one thing. We can also understand that Akkadosh um, Baruch Hu has given us the ability to have that which we want and he put them just, just because he's put a restriction on it. That restriction really is for our, is, is really for our own good. And, um, and also, and finally, I think the, the, the idea is that we have the ability that um, to, to sanctify ourselves and connect with our Kaddish Baruch in the most profound way, simply by the things that we eat. Um, and the things that we eat, even, and we don't have a desire to be eating the stuff that we're not allowed to eat, nonetheless, the ability to sanctify ourselves by, very, by, by, the, by virtue of the fact that we are co- connecting to our Kaddish Baruch Hu, that's important. And finally, that sometimes we need to understand that the concept of Baltashtit, this concept of, uh, of not wasting is not something that we should, um, that, 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 that is a blanket rule, but sometimes there is, in inverted commas, wastage, but that wastage is done to further our service of our Kodesh Baruch Hu. And uh, other than that, we, we, shouldn't be, we should be careful not to do it, but in, because of that, every, we can see that at every, every point in our, in our lives, we are able to connect not only to the immediate condition but to Kedusha that comes back from many, many years before. And in that way, please God, we are able to elevate ourselves in everything that we do. Have a beautiful day, everybody, and a beautiful week. God bless. So, so I guess, guys, have a beautiful afternoon and a beautiful week.
And please, God, uh, I think we'll, we'll look starting the, the Thursday night, the, the Monday evening shear, possibly in the next week or so. Week or so, it's definitely before Rosh Hashanah to do something. Okay. God bless, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you.